Walter, and welcome back to the Talking Rally Podcast with me, Stuart McNamara, and my co-host, the Right Honourable Lord, Robert Cross. Thank you, Council. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Cross here as always. How are you, Stu? <laughs> Not too bad now. We've a pretty okay day. I mean, nothing too bad has happened in Ireland this week, for once. Well, our, our European Commissioner had to resign because of stuff. Godfrey. Golfing, yeah, it's always the golfers you got to watch out for. And it's been a fairly alright week. I've uh, been busy in work mostly. I think you yeah. have as well, so yeah, nothing, nothing too exciting. Which is uh, probably about as, as good as we can say for the time that we're living in. Yeah, absolutely. So it's uh, the weather is Middling. Up, up and down, yeah. up and down, but uh, not too bad anyway. Better than normal, I suppose. Yeah, we'll take it. So right into uniquely Irish, where this week we will be talking about. Weird Irish laws. Yeah, it's going to tie into this film, which is based on a tr- somewhat a true story. We'll, we'll get into that. Yeah. Um, and involves quite an, an important legal case. We're, we're going to kind of talk about some of the weirder little little kind of tidbits in Irish law. Like I'm sure we all know the British story of oh, you can you can kill a Welshman in the, in, in the city of Chester as long as it's like within the city walls with a crossbow. Yeah, like isn't there that <laughs> weird one in America somewhere where it's like no ice creams on a Sunday or something weird? You get like a lot of these laws they were passed and like they've yeah, generally been forgotten re- about they've kind of been repealed in a lot of cases and they're at least not enforceable so yeah but you know it's like when they they make a law and then they just forget about it for a hundred years and then someone dredges it up like, to like in the simpsons with the prohibition episode yeah exactly yeah, stuff like that so i think the obvious and main one that we all know about is the time that we accidentally made drugs legal for a day yeah, this is a great story. So, what happened was this about 2015, wasn't it, Stu? Yeah, something around then. It was basically uh, a fella had taken the was had been arrested for having uh, pills on him. I think it was ecstasy or whatever it was, or legal yokes or whatever. And he, he went to was prosecuted for a plea. He took the government to court and said, "Look, I my my lawyer says that you can't have prosecuted me for this because the way you." you know, say this drug is illegal, is actually unconstitutional. And I went to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court says, actually, he's right. You, uh, the What you used to prosecute him was, was actually unconstitutional use of power. So he has to be freed. And now as a consequence of that, certain drugs were were legal. So they had to get through an emergency legislation, get the president to sign it. But the earliest it could take um, hold was the the following day. Yeah. So for two days in Ireland, uh, certain drugs were legal and you couldn't get arrested for it. <laughs> Which, um, uh, I'm sure they probably have done something anyway. They probably would have taken your name and come back and arrested yeah. you after the fact. But No, you're not allowed to do that. There's a specific legal thing uh, where you can't... You you can't they can't pass a law that punishes you for something you did in the past. Oh right, there's a precedent about it. The, the the reason that happened was because what they decided to do was they Ireland worked out was like okay some drugs are bad we should probably make them illegal. Yeah. So what they did was they literally passed a law that had like a list of drugs. It was like okay cocaine like marijuana all of them <laughs> all the deadly ones all the deadly ones, all the deadly ones absolutely were were illegal and so they said so this was passed as a law and there was nothing wrong with that law but they obviously said well what happens if a new drug comes through that we don't know about and we're going to have to ban it so what they said was in the in the act the minister whoever whoever yeah. minister it was minister of justice can say oh yeah i'm going to add like uh, this new pill onto the list so that it would become illegal so what that's called is the fancy term is secondary legislation right it's basically like the our parliament didn't pass a new law every time a drug had to be put yeah, onto the list. added to the old list yeah so basically, in the end of it, 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 this court said that the it was the minister went too far, and it was unconstitutional every time he made and put a new drug onto the list. The original list was fine, but every time the minister 
amended the list to add a new drug, that he that was beyond his powers. It would have to be the parliament would have to explicitly say what was illegal or not. So that's as a result of that, that's why it was legal for a bit. So I suppose in a way it's it's almost like if the was it the Minister for Justice said that coffee is a drug, caffeine, that would kind of yeah, like at the, originally it was the minister would just like obviously someone would kind of go with him, the guards or whatever is like oh they're bringing in like this new like that pill. crocodile one that fucking eats your, your yeah. skin or some shit. So they they, they so they, anyway they passed the emergency thing now it's it's fine it's dealt with now in a constitutional way but there's other kind of weird cases like that too where there there was a very famous one where uh, during our struggle for independence um, obviously De Valere and a few people went to America and they'd raise like a lot of money for you know send for the for the money for the struggle you know yeah. send, send it over to Ireland for like Sinn Féin the political party that was leading it in the volunteers and the IRA the old IRA and all that so a load of the money was held in trust and obviously we had a little bit of a civil war and Sinn Féin split and there was all these things so all that money was kind of put into a special trust and they said look we're just going to give it to the high court to kind of keep an eye until we can get this whole war sorted out so when they finally went to try and to to get it because Sinn Féin had split at this point uh, Cumann and Gael which is currently Fine Gael became the pro-treaty side they were the government but and the original Sinn Féin who they said they were were like oh we'd like our money back please so the court said mm, we better we, we're not sure if we can give it to you and then the Sinn Féin split into Fianna Fáil and <laughs> Sinn Féin and then they, they, the two of them were trying to claim the money and eventually the Supreme Court said yeah actually neither of you are legitimately Sinn Féin so <laughs> we're just going to keep the money and the, the money ended up being used purely on court fees first nice. so by the time they got to it there was no money left <laughs> so uh, I've just looked up there there's a, a list of a few different weird Irish laws so I'll go down through a few of them so it starts with the Brehan laws they so, were like the original ones. Yeah, the yeah. original. Yeah, so uh, the Brehans were kind of. Uh, it means judges. Yeah. So they would have been kind of old Irish before the English kind of took over. Ish. It was kind of a traditional thing. It was. All, it was like we had kind of families, you know, in Ireland at the time in different clans, and like so you'd have like people who oh we are like the the poets and we're like yeah. the the artists and they'd be like the Brehans, the judges, and they would it would kind of pass down and you know, we didn't use like a direct your eldest son would do it, we use the system called Tanistry, which is like you get to kind of pick your successor from like amongst your your children or grandchildren or even your uncle. It was whoever from your family, but whoever was felt to be best. Yeah. So uh here's just a, a few of the odd ones from back. I think this was like pre seventeenth century. Probably. So uh very weird one. So if a pregnant woman craves a morsel of food and her husband withholds it through stinginess or neglect, he must pay a fine. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what a law. I mean, apparently it happened commonly enough that it had to be a law. Yeah, I mean, not saying that you sh- she should be fed, it's just like, oh, we're going we're gonna <laughs> yeah, to take a fine. We're going to pay a fine. We're not going to give her any food around the money, but we get some money. So then we have, a cow must not be exposed to wild dogs or pirates. I'm pretty sure that might still be on the books. <laughs> it's just th- like these things that apparently were so common that they had to make a law about it. I believe like the, obviously when we became an independent country, this it plays a point in the film that we have like a written constitution where the English don't. We we couldn't just like start from scratch when we set up, when this state was set up. So they were kind of like, we'll keep some British laws like that apply to Ireland on the books. Yeah, it makes in it a certain easier sense. than so, like, to go through it all again. Yeah, so like there, there are cer- certain laws which now we've kind of written some and there's like, okay, this British law that applies to this particular thing we're going to rewrite it 
into like an Irish law that applies to our constitution and all yeah. that. But there's still some of the older laws that do apply. Like some of our local government is subject to older acts and so like how like Limerick can call itself a city is to do with the Royal Charter and things like that. Yeah. Not, not what the, the state just kind of goes, yeah, that's fine. But I believe the oldest law that's still in operation in this country is from about the thir- 1300s and right. it deals with the management of horses in Dublin City, I believe. <laughs> okay. So I, I think it's the oldest law. It's something like 1302 or something so this would have been like really early Irish Parliament but apparently it's still on the books in some stage good just in I, case it ever comes up again I stand to be corrected on that by a, a more learned person than myself but that was what Google told yeah. me so uh, then we have a layman may drink six pints with his dinner but a monk must only drink three well I'm this... glad we're not monks too <laughs> yeah thank god this was so he could return to prayer unintoxicated <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sure, depending on, you know, the the food that he's eaten, because it's a monk, so it might be the best soakage for a meal. Well, I mean, we, we know a thing or two about substantial meals now, so oh, yeah. and a few drinks, given the... But uh, that's what's great, it's like, you know, now you can't even have a, a sup of alcohol and then get into a car, or you're over the limit. Mm. But back in the day, it's like, three points, not intoxicated, you're fine. You're going to drive, you're going to do whatever whatever cart you have there, drive on home. It's like, you better not be praying after that. <laughs> <laughs> after the fourth, by the way. After the fourth. It's like the uh, the inebriati in the uh, Mitchell's way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the last one for Brehens is, when you become old, your family must provide you with one oat cake a day plus a container of sour milk. I mean, you have to be sour milk, too, sure. I mean, it's a little sad that it has to be sour milk, but at least it's something. It's like... Basically, uh, an old kind of pension. Yeah, and we, we've moved on a little bit from pension since then, yeah. so I, I, I can uh, reliably assure you. Okay, so then we have a few from Trinity College. Oh, fine institution. Of course. Uh, I mean, the pub now in Rome, but not the... Yeah. <laughs> uh, it is illegal for a student to walk through Trinity College without their sword. I think I've seen my girlfriend do that before. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'd hope, otherwise she'd be arrested. <laughs> How embarrassing to leave your dorm without a sword. Well, we didn't you do that in well, I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> this one's great. Students of Trinity College have the right to demand, and you should tell this one to your girlfriend, yep. a glass of wine during an exam. No, this is an old one. Like this, Apparently still people, it's specifically scholars, Right. During their exams, and apparently that's still allowable. Like people used to do it as kind of a piss take, but apparently it's still, you know, they don't really honor it, but you could still do it if you're if you're yeah. elected a scholar, of course, too. Uh, let's see what else we have. Oh, I heard about that one already. The, the Cinema Order of 1991. So in Northern Ireland, I think it was uh, the Sabbath being a holy day. They made it legal to go to the cinema on a Sunday. Of course, yeah, yeah. And this is like like. 1991 for some reason that doesn't surprise me because I, I i think we're from a very kind of catholic country we grew up in but like the north is more protestant although not across one specific denomination and particularly some of them are um would be more kind of puritanical in a sense sure, that they yeah. wouldn't really want to be doing these things or even some catholics would be like ah, it's just a, just a few pictures of your uh, father you know yeah uh another one that's just great i mean obviously we're out of trinity which I should have said. But, uh, <laughs> these aren't just Trinity laws now. But uh, this one, which, you know, just shows how great our lawmakers are. So up until 
1964, the punishment for attempting suicide was death by hanging. That's right. That, that was a, a originally a British thing, actually. <laughs> I know, but it's just ridiculous. I mean, come on. It was seen as... The reason behind it was if, if you committed suicide, you'd it was a mortal sin, you'd go straight to hell. If the government killed you, it was, you know, you'd at least seek redemption in the eyes of the Lord, I think is roughly what it was. Something like that. Yeah. I'm not a religious nor legal scholar, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just nonsense. Uh, if a leprechaun shows up at your door, old Irish law requires you to feed him a part of your dinner. Fair enough. I mean, if a leprechaun turned up at my door, I'd at the very least invite him in for a few yeah, drinks. I mean, like, it's the law. You have to at least give him part of your dinner. I mean... I, don't, I, I, think, I, mean, I think I'd give him his own dinner. Terrible still. host would you be to not <laughs> offer him some food. Yeah. But I think that would probably do for those weird weird laws that we have in this country yes at least we have one or had one that was specifically about leprechauns well we have to just in case dude. yeah just in case who knows so we'll get into the movie itself this week we're doing evelyn yep the 2002 irish film as there are a lot of films called evelyn as we <laughs> as discovered. discovered it was i did manage to get like a correct copy of this on youtube of all places you can rent a movie on youtube for like three quid Oh, that's not bad. So that's a, it was actually perfect quality. I mean, I'd, I'd recommend. It's actually not yeah, a bad I way to do it. they do that a lot where you're watching the trailer and it's like, you could buy this movie right now. Yeah. Just, I suppose, clever in its own way. So Evelyn is the story of a man whose wife runs away. Desmond Doyle is your yeah. man's name. Yep. He runs away with a, a man to Australia and the yep. movie, but I think it was the UK in the book. The yeah, there's story, I say, there were some book. there were some liberties taken in the the fil- like the of the actual story. Um, yeah. some of them are understandable. Like for example, in real life, Desmond Doyle and his wife had six children. Yeah, well, there's only three in the film. I can understand that we'll, to we'll a get certain extent. The plot, but, we, can, yeah. we can go into. But so after that, the grandmother of or the the mother's mother, I should say, the the maternal out, grandmother, yeah, yeah. rats out uh, Desmond. For being a single father with no income at the time. Yeah. And so the children get taken away. The two sons go to a Christian brother school. And the daughter, Evelyn, goes namesake to, of yeah. the movie, goes off to a convent. School. convent. Yeah. And uh, so it's basically his, his struggle to try to get them back. And first off, this movie starts so dark. It does. Oh, the yeah. first half an hour, I was... In misery. I don't think we'll do spoilers or non-spoilers because it's kind of, it's fairly cut and dry as to what happens. Yeah. But, uh, like, based on a true story, my God, the start of this movie is a hard watch. It is. And it, it it's, uh, you know, I watched this when it came out, like, when I was quite younger a couple of times. And it's, you know, you kind of relate because the, the actress of this, Evelyn, I was about the same age as her when this came out, I think. So, I, I yeah. obviously, I can relate to that. But... Yeah, it it shows a dark side of Ireland that we are going to have to talk about at some point during mm. this podcast, I think. And yeah, now it doesn't go f- as dark as some other films like The Magdalene Sisters, for example, which shows yeah. them, you know, really shows a, a much darker side to that. Or even like Song for a Raggy Boy, which has uh, one of the main actors in that as well. But um, Jesus, it's... Yeah, there are like lighter moments in it as well, thank God. Yeah, I mean, but, obviously like for mm, this, the ending is good. Yeah, it's, it, it's a happy ending in the end, but my God, just there are parts where your blood boils, there are parts where you feel really angry, sad, angry, yeah. upset. It's just, it's very hard. I mean, so we'll get in, the director anyway was Bruce Beresford, I think. Uh, I think he would be probably best known for Driving Miss Daisy. Which is a very, very good film. Yes. Yeah. 
Um, so he directed it. I mean, the film was directed beautifully. I don't know what else you can say about it. I think it was. I actually would say like it was. I think it was written quite well too because I think there's some great lines in this film. I have notes as well with him. I think and they're just delivered perfectly. Yeah, there was some. There was a lot of love and care taken to to how it looked and like the sets and stuff were really well done. Especially like we've been in some of the houses in the likes of Dublin and they do look very like those are spot on. And they use like a lot of real locations. Like I think I I didn't bother to check exactly where the pub was. It looked like it was Toners at one point, but it actually isn't. But it, that looks like a very Dublin pub, I must say. Yeah, as we're a lot of the film is said as it. And as even even with that, like I'd, obviously, I don't think any of us have been further afield than most of Europe, but maybe only Ireland and England really have those kind of beer spirits, wine kind of uh, the the glass panes. Yeah, it's, it's it's actually quite handy in the areas of, of social distancing now because yeah. they there are like built-in partitions to the, the old pubs so they don't need to build a new one. <laughs> yeah, great. Uh, so, main star is Pierce Brosnan, who plays Desmond Doyle. Uh, I think you'll know him from a little thing called James Bond 007. Uh, yes, I and uh, if you have rep- you heard of it, uh, heard I think we have. I, I I think this is this is kind of funnily turned into our second film starring a singing James Bond. Yeah. After Tarby O'Gill. And I, I mean, see, Pierce obviously did sing in Mamma Mia, of course, as well. But I think this is the first time he sang on screen. He doesn't do a bad job, yeah, I gotta say. Good. Yeah. Uh, he also does a pretty good, like, I know it's it, not exactly a Dublin accent, but it's it's quite. He, you see, it's close enough to a Dublin accent. That you see, he has. Uh, Pierce actually did spend some of his youth in Navan. Right. Because uh, he actually was a bit of somewhat estranged from his father, actually. He only he met him a lot later in life. And he related a lot to this film. He actually really pushed to get this made because yeah. Evelyn Doyle, who had written a, te- a teleplay about this, um, it didn't really take off. But Pierce heard about this, read it, and he rang her up and was like, I'd like to make this, which interrupted her watching Star Trek, of which she was a massive fan, which <laughs> annoyed her until she realized, oh, it's great Pierce Brosnan. And she was like, oh, well, I don't need, uh, there be any woman in this country would be only too happy to take a call from Pierce Brosnan, she said. <laughs> yeah, there's some, like, those are some of the best stories, I think. Uh, one of my favourite ones of, of someone like almost missing out on a big opportunity has to be Henry Cavill when he got the call to play Superman he was playing World of Warcraft yep. and he missed the call my <laughs> <laughs> like, god like like Henry Cavill was playing World of Warcraft for one thing sounds nonsense it's but like then he misses the call to be Superman because he's like in a raid or something in WoW it's like that story when you find out that Judy Dench is a big Dungeons and Dragons fan because mm. Vin Diesel got her into it, yeah. which just raises more questions. It's <laughs> <laughs> just fantastic. When you find out that yeah. some of the biggest stars are real nerds, like Joe Manganiello and a few others, they like have a, a secret like D&D game. They do. Yeah, like, God damn, that would be great. Crack oh, you'd, you'd love it. So then uh, we have Sophie Vavasour. I think as Evelyn, she is Irish. Actually, I think I think she has like a French father or something. But she, she did a very very good job. Yeah, like for for a child actor, very good. I I, I think like she gives some really. I mean, I gotta praise her in this. I think you really get the emotion off of her, and she's not like wooden at all in this. I think no, there, no, she, does, she does a like as a child actress goes outstanding job. I would have said very good. Uh, she's been in the likes of Resident Evil. I think she was. Uh, she was the child in the very first Ram, one. Yeah. I think yeah, and I remember that, which is pretty cool. And uh, she was also in uh, Les Miserables. I don't think the newest one, but I, yeah, I I, the I, 2009 one it was. I don't think she's acts anymore. I, I, I looked her up on Wikipedia and I didn't really see anything terribly recent. I think she is just... I think she's studying, like... Well, look, good yeah. for her. I mean, she must be around our age. I think she is our age, yeah. So uh, Then the last kind of major one, like, there's so many actors in this, it would take yeah. a while to go through, but the, the last big one, anyway, is, of course, Frank Kelly. 
playing he, Henry Doyle. Play, a very different character from oh, Father yeah. Jack. But he, I think he comes across fantastic in this film as like the kind of doting grandfather. And I think it's... What I remember about this film, I saw this when it came out, like with my mother, and we used to love watching this, like on video, like renting a video from Extra Vision back in the day. When this yeah. came out. Um, really, just how warm a, per- a person he is oh, on the screen. So lovely. He's like... just such a. He's just. He doesn't. I don't feel he needs to act at all to be like the loving granddad because oh, yeah, you just feel it. Contrast with him yeah. and Father Jack, like it's, it's he's two an different outs- people. He was an outstanding actor, and I think you really feel for his character in this film because he is doing like. Oh, every scene he is just him and Evelyn I think is just so sweet and wonderful he's also got some great lines in this film oh, yeah. which we'll go through I just think he's a perfect I think it's worth just saying as well Stephen Ree as well playing Beatty the solicitor uh, he's another uh, fantastic yes. Northern Ireland actor he's a really underrated actor I, I think most people might know him he played the cop in V for Vendetta Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, and a few other things. And of course, I think Aidan Quinn, who was the, I suppose, the second biggest kind of internationally after Pierce Brosnan, who plays the, the barrister, um, as a Tom, the American fella. Oh, yes. yes. He, he's quite, he's in it as well. He's quite good. He's, he's done a few things. Um, the other, he was in Michael Collins as well, another Irish film as well. He, he plays Harry Boland. He was also in Song for Raggy Boy as well, where he plays a priest dealing with these kind of things about institution abuse as well. So I, I just thought it was worth bringing up that film because he actually has played Irish characters before. And it was actually something I, I just point out that like he is Irish American, as you'd guess by the Maiden Quinn. Yeah. But he's actually played Irish characters before with quite good accent work. But I just found it interesting he, he actually plays an American in this film. Yeah, so he I does don't, a really good job, yeah. I mean, it's it's fine. I mean, I think that he, American guy plays a really good American. He does. Well, I, I was just kind of just contrasting. Like, I've seen him do actually play as an Irish character in films before set in Ireland, and he does a really good job with the accent. I just thought, I just maybe I don't really know why he played an American in this film where it doesn't really call for it in the plot. So, yeah. But anyway, so before we get into the actual movie, the one thing I do want to highlight is that I noticed some of the soundtrack for this is actually wonderful. It's re- it's the, the music in this is very very like, good. It's it's not often that I I notice a soundtrack because I, I know there's a lot of people who kind of feel that the soundtrack's meant to be like there in the background and not really noticed. Hmm. But it would be wrong to not have it. But at, like at the at the very poignant moments in the movie, a song plays and it's kind of it's, it's like yeah. musical or whatever. But I realize that it's actually Raglan Road. Yeah, it is, and it's, that's so lovely. It's the the tune from Raglan Road. It it, it was Raglan Road was originally a poem that was put to a tune. The tune is actually called "The Dawning of the Day." That's yeah. the that's what it's called. But even like the other bits, how like the parting glass is kind of a is, is sung constantly by Desmond as kind of um, almost like a set piece. It actually is between the different acts of the film are almost closed by him singing the parting glass or referencing the lyrics of the parting glass. And I think it's even like the bits where he's singing in the pub and stuff, it's very well done. I mean, I actually got to agree with you, Stu, the, the soundtrack in this and the production, it's really, really underrated film, I think, just oh, yeah. because the amount of effort that was put in to do this, this was done really, really well. <laughs> yeah, beautiful film. I mean, even, you know, to, to get right into it, the start of the film, you have some lovely Irish photos of old, kind old of Dublin. Up of old, yeah, exactly, old Dublin. And then, like, one or two, there's one that's kind of a, a new photo that with Pierce Brosnan. And, and the then, kids, and yeah. they kind of, they make it look old. What I, I think I love as well is, and, and I suppose this is kind of to do with the setting, like, a lot of the places they, they go into, like, the pubs and stuff, they look the exact same today just because, like, this is, this is set in, like, the early to mid-1950s. Like, yeah. the time frame of this film is, a, is condensed down from how long it took in real life, basically. Yeah, things take a lot longer in real life. They do. You, you, you would not get justice to the Supreme Court that quickly. It usually takes a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, this basically takes place over one year between Christmases. Yeah, which it, it didn't. It, it, it took 
look about the the, the the main Supreme Court case and this was in 1955 um, Desmond first petitioned in 1953 but even that was quite quick in, in, yeah. in a certain sense but I, I think the setting and everything else is very well done I, I love the um, you know they're, they're living in Fatima mansions uh, and I recognise that straight away because I yeah I'm pretty sure I've them. been past them before yeah and I, and I thought oh those are too modern surely they weren't built at the time this was set looked into it oh actually they were built in the late 30s early 40s and I was like oh so those are actually modern at the time yeah, were they they're, actually living there, or was that just a where they? Used? As far as I can see, they were. Yeah, well, there's other things about their living arrangements. We'll we'll get into in a little bit yeah. that they were changed slightly. Um, I I will say that I, I didn't read the book that Evelyn herself actually wrote about this because it's a. I I don't think I could have been able to read that in a week, Stu. <laughs> well, well, if you got the audio book and just I got uh, the yeah, I got the I got the gist of it though, and there there are certain things that were changed for this. Like I mentioned, there were actually six kids, but I can understand as a directorial choice. Yeah, Maybe I mean, six kids might be too, particularly when it's based around Evelyn the daughter. So, just if there were six kids, was it uh, five boys and one girl, or I think so. She had, she did have two brothers. The youngest was, I think, um, Devlin. I think is what he was. I'm not too something like that or Dermot. Um, I think it was she was the only daughter from what I could see, but yeah. there were six of them. I, I stand to be corrected on that, but it's actually hard to find out the information about the other kids because she's. Like, I'm sure it's in the book, but I, yeah. I, I wasn't. I mean, I mean, look, if, if I popped out six kids, I'd probably be on the way out of there as well. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if we, if we want to talk about the the real story now, or do we want to go into the film first? Uh, or... we'll, we'll go through the film and kind yeah. of if you have points at certain. Yeah. No, that's fine. That's moments. fine. I mean, like you know, it, it's all just fantastic. I mean, one thing that uh, reminded me of you know <laughs> stories that my own parents said. Is the uh, pilot into one room? Like all, yeah, three, all, yeah. all three kids live in the one small room, and you can see like the beds are practically on top of each other. And even my own mother used to always talk about how like I think she had to share a bed with one of my aunts. Yeah, that was just the way it was. Like there was no space, tiny houses, and obviously they're living in flats, so it's <laughs> yeah. even smaller. Like my father has uh, two brothers and three sisters, and they didn't live in a massive house. So that mm. was the stories he told me. So I've seen the house they grew up in because my my nana still lives there, and I'm like. How did you fit into like three bedrooms, all six of you? And I was you just, just like, you, you just did. There was, yeah. there was no choice back then. It was just, <laughs> this is where you sleep now. Yeah. This is your bunk, mate. So I thought, but that's oddly kind of heartwarming. I, I like, I really like the start of the film where like they're Christmas and you see the mother is like in the pub talking to someone and Desmond yeah, goes off and gets her. You, you kind of get the tension from the very start. And then like, I love when Frank Kelly's character, the granddad comes over. It's just so, from the minute, like you see your granddad and then yeah. you open, from the second he comes on screen, he's just got such a warm, yeah. lovely presence. Oh, it's but just I, brilliant. But even with that, that, that actually reminded me of another thing is that he, Frank Kelly comes in and he hands them all like the same thing. Yeah. And it just, like, it hit me a little bit because it reminded me of my own grandfather yeah. back when I was a kid because, like, he had at least nine, maybe ten grandkids. Yeah. If I'm even remembering right, it might not be. Um, And so what he'd do is he'd just go into, like, the pound shop and buy, like... The same a, thing. He'd buy a case of uh, the... What's the... The brain's gone dead. Uh, <laughs> selection boxes. Oh, right. And so he just have like a case of selection boxes yep. and everyone will get one. So it's That's that, lovely. It's that kind of like, you know, you're a grandfather, you have a lot of a lot of young kids to, to get yep. a present for. I'm getting them the same thing. Absolutely. And I'm just getting a lot of it. I love as well, like where like the, one of the, 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 the sons, I'm not sure which one, and he's like, oh, didn't you get like, he has like a model train. He's like, why didn't you get the, why didn't Santa bring yeah, the carriages? Yeah, like a through line. And he's like, movie. Uh, Santa couldn't afford the carriages this year. He has to feed the elves, which I think yeah, is I quite, mean, yeah. Look, we, we've all gotten those kind of yeah. stories where it's like, 
it, we've asked for something way too big Absolutely. or too much and it's like well why didn't I get this now and then they just have to kind of concoct a, a story I just think as well I, I must credit like Pierce Brosnan's acting in this film it's very oh, good he's, he's he really sells this whole the, the torment and the pain yeah, but even like but even like mm. some of the comments like it's like oh he's a charmer and like even like one of the, the bar girl uh, yeah. BTB's uh, sister is like I was like, oh, he's very charming. You see, he is. It's just like everything he does. Like he can, he's just charming. Or even after, like when he's a bit drunk, and he's just so nice to the kids. He's just got like such a a, a great kind of range in this film. I think he like, and I love. There's a later scene where we'll talk about where he gives like a, a great speech when he's in the river. And oh yeah, that's fantastic. He is Pierce Brosnan. This is generally one of his most underrated films. I think he comes out of this fantastically because like this came out the same year as Die Another Day. Really? Not one, yeah, two thousand and two. And I, I had. I remember convincing her to get this film because she oh, she said, oh, it sounds like Randy. I was like, oh, James Bond is in it because I love Bond at the time. Had like Diner Today in video. And I was like, it was kind very... a different movie. It's a very different <laughs> film, but I think it just kind of credits that he has like the charm from Bond along with some of the passion like going after his kids. Really, this is like a fantastic film to like show his acting yeah. range cannot credit him enough in I this don't film. Know, I think someone should uh, mash the two together so you die another day he like kicks into the nunnery starts shooting all the nuns <laughs> da, 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 da. No, just do just... like you know like golden where he's like shooting up the <laughs> street defense <laughs> you could do something with that so yeah I mean like the, the scene just where uh, Evelyn comes out to meet her friend and sees the mother running off it's really heartbreaking to watch and like you know, she oh, like runs a, back to get the her, father. Her first thought is like, oh, "Ma'am, it's even the shops aren't open." Yeah, it's like, like so oh, innocent Jesus that she doesn't realize what's happening. And it's so. I think it's that's like the last time you see the mother for the rest of the film. Yeah, so like she's basically a silent character. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, like the like the next scene is is Pierce Brosnan cutting the mother's face out of photographs. Once it, like, and like just... try, trying to make himself a cup of tea and burn himself. Yeah, like they just like the corkscrews are in and they just twist. They really, they really get across the pain in this movie so quickly. Yeah, I mean, you know the very next is like the SPC, the uh, SPCC are coming along, try protective services because the grandmother the CPS in America are like the child. They're they, they're not technically a state agency, but they basically are. It's yeah. complicated. But, um, because like the 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 Charlotte is actually the wife's name in real life. I don't know if right. she's called that in the film. Her mother, their, their kids. Uh, Nana on on the mother's side is like said oh he, the wife has gone off and the inspector comes over so like and he goes oh we better get the nuns in and the nuns go in and check it and then they go clean in the house they do yeah the, the three in the bath which would have also been something that happened yeah. even up to the 50s where it's like look Absolutely. We, we only have enough hot water for one bath so the That's three it. in the year getting washed together and I like as well when he goes over like the Nana says you know where did he go after it's like he's English isn't he and all this stuff yeah trying to uh, figure it out a nice little tidbit actually that isn't um, <laughs> this isn't in the this isn't portrayed in the film the person she ran off with was actually Desmond Doyle's cousin oh god <laughs> Oh, that's even worse. Yeah, so they there's um yeah, I, I actually had to double check that, but no, apparently it was his second cousin and they went off to England and, and uh, not Australia in real life and had a second family. Fuck. Yeah. So um there you go. Yeah, so then the the kids were all sent away, the two boys to the Christian brothers. Well they go to they go to court first. Yeah. And then they then they're they're sent off. Um which is accurate. Like I mean like like Irvin like is studied law and is like training to be a solicitor did kind of give me feedback on some of the legal things in this scene this bit is actually fine there's nothing wrong with this it's a district court which is the lowest level of courts here I'll, I'll, as we kind of go on i'll kind of talk a 
roughly about how the legal system in this country works and not brief, not, not, ter- not terribly long <laughs> detail now. But basically, the district court is the lowest level of court, so it, it's kind of right. It would just be in front of a judge, like there's someone from the state there, and there'd be like him. You wouldn't have really, you wouldn't really have a lawyer with you. It's generally for kind of you know traffic offenses that kind of thing. You wouldn't normally have a lawyer there. The judge would kind of just make a decision. Da, 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 da. You have the circuit court above that where you kind of have the jury, and then later on we get to the high court and then the supreme court. And as we kind of get to that, I'll talk about them a bit more. But that's sort of the way the the court system works. And yeah, slowly working his way up. Yeah, um, yeah. So you know we get that scene them just being taken away and uh Pierce Brosnan's character goes off with the two boys and Frank yeah. Kelly goes with Evelyn. Evelyn and that's when you get the you know is it later on you get the scene with the the angel rays is it or no is that's it? that's then yeah. that's then when he, he when the grandad goes to Evelyn's like you see the angel rays coming and that's your guardian angel yeah, so it's like the, the rays of sunlight through the trees and it? it's a lovely recurring theme through the film as well yeah um, obviously it's it really nice. way more poignant later on uh, there's a, I think there's a, a nice little thing as well, and I, I, I presume this was intentional. Where so obviously the other thing kind of worth noting is that the judge sends the two boys off to kill Kenny, like which is yeah. nowhere near Dublin. That's actually quite that's the other side of the country almost, and where Evelyn gets to stay in Dublin. So it's actually more inconvenient that he can't see his sons, like as well. Yeah. They're much further away. So yeah, but as well, it's a little thing, but when you see Evelyn in particular, the, and, you know, her, her grandfather going into the, the convent school, it's just like they're sitting there in this massive ornate room with a big fire, and it's such a contrast to where they're living. Yeah. And I think that's a, I think that was maybe a deliberate kind of choice to kind of say, oh, they're preaching about God, and obviously this is the thing, but they're preaching about like non-violence and God loves you and beating the crap out of these kids later, and they're living in this opulence where, you know, the Doyles are like in extreme poverty. But, yeah. but he's trying the best he can for but his like, kids and it's such a contrast there, there's even a contrast between the two places that they're sent like obviously later on in history we found out that things weren't as they seemed no but you see the Christian Brothers school it's like everyone's outside they're all playing sports and having yeah. a great time and then the nunnery is very stark it and is. nothing's really happening it, it's very even, still even when you know Evelyn first goes to sit down next to the other girl and, and, and you just see all of the, the girls in yeah, there's, that. Yeah, there's a ton of them. It's and, so many. And then she says, I won't be here very long. How have you been here? And she goes, oh, six, six months or oh, six years. And it, yeah. it's kind of the whole thing of they weren't getting out of there. Like, oh, that yeah. Was, it's like if he hadn't done that, they probably would have been there until they were, uh, what is it, emancipated? They say or... they say 16, but there's a, quite a chance that they were causing trouble. Then they wouldn't be, they'd be put into a Magdalene laundry, which is a separate thing we will discuss in a later yeah. episode in greater detail. But we've mentioned we, them before. We've mentioned them, but they're not great. And basically, once you get into the Magdalene laundry, there's our not take. Magdalene laundry is not great. Yeah, it's just like bite, <laughs> biting, biting political satire. <laughs> but um, once you got into them, you, you, you didn't get out. Yeah. That was kind of the thing. Uh, I thought it was hilarious though we have another uh, boxing priest I thought yeah that's I, I think we're gonna as we go through more movies we're gonna have to keep an eye out for this we have like Father Ali over here yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just a mean right hook on to fucking Pierce Brosnan what I, what I quite like is that he, he comes and asks him for money for the black babies which at the time that was quite accurate yeah. like my grandfather we won't go into this too much but that was what they said at the time like for the it was orphans and like somewhere in Africa because yeah. like a load of pre- Irish priests did go on like the missions there as they said as kind of things as he dressed in, in uh, Dancing at Lunasa yeah. so yeah, that yeah. kind of thing so that was accurate actually I mean now we just have a trucker box in every house we do <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had one in a while actually yeah, I suppose probably... back when we were in primary school we'd been 
it was like a, you, we got like these we both went to well I went to a Catholic school you went to a non-denominational primary school but we got like these Troker is an Irish charity and it sends like you know you put money to send off to A lot can happen in three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change? Needing health insurance United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states Learn more at UH1.com Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. To poor people in Africa mostly uh, through the, the the Catholic missions basically it was set up by a priest. So we get like these boxes and the idea is you put in like, you know, a pound or a euro or whatever each day and you'd have it in your house and you'd all bring it back into the at the end of uh, Lent. Yeah, and, good way of doing and it was a good way of doing it. We did make a fair bit of money off of it. Uh, so then we see more of the, the, the convent and even just, just how strict the nuns are. They're kind of, they're just, I mean, I think we've mentioned it before from our own mothers, uh, what they experienced in their time, but just how awful these people were. I mean, for people yeah. who were supposedly highly religious and, and you expect that married to, make, to married, married to, God, to God and all that which is what uh, the grandfather says like yeah. oh they're they're brides of Christ yeah and you yeah. expect them to be lovely wholesome people but like she can't even lie down the way she wants you have to lie because it tempt the devil you have to lie crazy. like you're in a fucking coffin and it's just it's just it's like so the awful. only person that's any bit nice to her sister Felicity I, I suppose she's yeah. kind of seen as being the you know the wholesome nun who actually kind of takes yeah what you'd expect a nun to be like really nice and and the main the the reverend mother I think the main one she's like beats the crap out of her she's like an awful wagon yeah and it's even like the sad thing where like it comes up later like where she she hits Evelyn and then obviously Desmond goes freaking nuts I mean like that that's where my blood was fucking boiling absolutely I I was like oh my god if I was in that situation I would fucking just wring her neck I mean it comes up later on, but like he he doesn't actually like later on he's accused of, of strangling her, but he only holds her head. Yeah, and I was really annoyed when it happened later on because he's in the Supreme Court. And it's like no, at least tell them that you didn't like strangle her. I mean, surely someone can corroborate that she did not have a load of bruises on her neck. Well, the other nuns couldn't say because oh, I know that, but like no, so that... you, you couldn't examine a nun in front of a doctor. That I'm not be, even saying that, uh... but I mean, it, didn't she say that she went to the guards about it? I know, obviously, the guards might have been a, a little biased, or I don't think she did go to the guards. But like I she said it, she said she said it, but a lot of what she says is lies because it isn't like the whole thing. Evelyn's like, didn't you fall down yeah. and like, hit your face? And like, that's not what happened. And her nan had, like goes off with them in the court. <laughs> Just, yeah, I mean yeah. that's a good redemption, but we'll get to that. Oh, yeah, oh no, we're going to get to the Supreme. Yeah, scene, I mean, there's a lot to say in I mean, that. You know, it's like Evelyn tries to stop the nun from uh, slapping one of the other girls for forgetting something. And so it's like she's hitting her. Well, with oh, like she's a specifically, it's specifically about, it's one of the catechisms, uh, catechism, I catechism. Catechism, sorry, my. Anyway. He's um, a Protestant, it's different. Shut up. <laughs> 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 Not a Protestant. Um, but. Um, 
it's like it was something about like is the Lord like loving and forgiving and she says yes no, that's not a catechism you have to say a problem and then Evelyn gives out to her hating her for like yeah, with a say, strap of leather with the strap of leather uh, like because she is they're talking about how merciful the Lord is and it's like you're married you're a bride of Christ and you're doing that it's just that whole duality thing it's just fucking yeah the contradiction like, of what I, they say and what they do is is really horrific. on display here yeah and so she takes her outside and just wallops her in the face like looks flat handed yeah it's it, very hard to watch this bit, but it it it's, it kind of just gives you like a hint of how bad things were. Yeah. Like this is quite mild compared to oh, yeah, some like, of the other stories you'd hear. Hardly anything. I mean, I think for for a lot of young people, I know my own mother. I think she might have been left-handed. Oh yeah, that's, that was the, that's the devil's hand. You can't sinister. Literally in Latin, left-handed. Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure I figured out recently that I'm ambi-sinister. Both hands are shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, I'm worst handwriting in history. It's like, yeah, I just realised that I can't write with either hand. Yeah, so then, like, the next bit is like Desmond is like, and his father are like, going around to pubs singing because, like, he says yeah, to the to judge, is like, oh, I'm, I'm, there's a there's a job on a painter. He's a painter and decorator. Like, he's and he's fantastic at it. He's yeah. really good. I mean, he draw, does drawings and yeah. stuff. And that that actually was true. Like, he was able to do that. But it's he says, oh, I'm waiting on a big job to start one of the old houses, and which you do see throughout the film. Yeah. But he also goes, oh, I'm going to go around pubs singing for money. Which yeah. Is, like an old but, kind of Irish running show. But then they accuse him of going around for for the drinking when. They're talking to... He was... He certainly fond of the drink in the film. Yes. And certainly in real life, he was, from what well, I've I mean, read, look, fond of a few drinks. One, he's Irish. Yeah. Which, you know, he's a given. But also, you just had your wife run off on you and... Oh, no, I, I, I don't... I don't... Away. I don't... If that happened, my wife ran away from me, too. I definitely... I, say, I definitely text and say, a few points. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a great bit as well where, like, the grandfather is visiting Evelyn and obviously the, the, the nana... Um, on the mother's side, the two of them obviously he said, "I won't talk to her anymore." Yeah, she's sitting on the opposite side. And then, like he's, and then so she goes down to talk to the grand. She comes back says, "Oh, she got a, a letter from um, Sydney, Sydney in Australia." And he goes, "It's very warm in Australia there." And he goes, and then she goes, "Yeah." And he goes, "You can tell your nana it's not as warm as the place her daughter's heading." Which yeah, I think oh, is a great line. Just like the the, the biting kind of. <laughs> politest way of telling a child uh, something to tell to the grandmother is there are some there are some great like, is it? She, she asks about it later on it's like um is it warm in australia no no, oh, no. no. she asks uh it's eaten by a great white i i hope you're i hope the mother meets a great white i think that's some kind of kangaroo or maybe <laughs> just, a koala it's just so <laughs> the innocence but also like the great ways of kind of be the snide remarks that they were passing to each other yeah, I mean, I think it's just great. And I think Frank Kelly just sells that. Oh, yeah, just, just the, the politeness of how he's saying it to the child. <laughs> Your mother's going to burn it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. It's it's very it's a very good scene. Um, yeah. I think it's acted perfectly between all of them. Um, sorry, Sister Bridget is the mean one. I doesn't remember reading a note of that there. Yeah. And there's a great... So then, like, Desmond goes off to the solicitor, who's the brother of the, the bar girl in the puppy frequency, yeah. who... Uh, his friend to be a chemist and helps him after the priest knocks the shite out of him. I love how he doesn't get thrown out of his pub because he's clearly worth a lot of money to them. Yeah, he, they're, just, they're just like, ah, that's just Desmond. He's even like when he's leaving the pub after getting knocked out, revived, the priest just says, sorry about that and blesses him and walks yeah. out. And then the barman says, I said, see you, George. So I'll see you later. Does he? <laughs> love yeah, that. Fine. Look, fighting Irish and all that. So he, he meets the solicitor who, who's played by Aidan, um, Quinn. Aidan Quinn, sorry. And I think. Yeah, it is Aiden. It is Aiden. Like it is Aiden Quinn. It is Aiden. No, sorry, Aiden Quinn is the barrister. My apologies. Stephen Rhea plays a solicitor. 
I don't know. I'm getting, sorry, I'm getting, yeah, I'm I got Sorry, you go see the solicitor Beatty, who's played by Stephen Ree. And I love how like he has the the educated Dublin accent in kind yeah. of way. like you can tell he's upper echelon. He's upper echelons, but there's actually a good contrast with accents. How like Desmond Doyle obviously you know the more working class as is Frank Kelly, whereas the all of the legal people kind of have posh Irish accents, but all of the judges have English accents yeah. because it's a different generation. All of the judges would have been trained under the British system, would have probably be qualified as lawyers in in you know in the Inns of Court in the UK, and then come back here. And the time they were so senior and took over the Irish thing, it was just new things. But it's a uh, it's it's a great line. He, they, when he talking as this about getting his kids back, and he says, "Well, when your circumstances improve, come back to me." Basically, and he says a great line: "Law and justice aren't always the same thing." Yeah, and I think that's a very powerful line, and it's very true as well. It's true today. Yeah, yeah, it is still very true today. But it's it, it. There's some great lines in this film. It's very well written. Oh yeah, I, there's I, some I great actually stuff. have to say. So then we get they're in the pub singing and like you know drunk driving and all that and then the the really bad bit in the film happens where Brian Kelly's character the granddad dies just well, drops that, dead just, just before that yeah. they, they try to break into the nun the oh sorry garage. my apologies yeah so he just uses his uh, pit and decorating ladder to climb up on the wall but they, yeah. they've greased the top of the wall to stop, they, to stop them escaping yeah. yeah I mean look that's kind of a good thing because some places in Ireland they literally uh, cement in Broken shards bottles. of glass yeah. Like, well, that's one way of keeping me out. I'm not fucking climbing that. It, like, it's around there in, in a few older buildings or walls, and it's just, it just looks and terrifying. An old, and an old convent in Limerick. I think we're both familiar with this. Yeah, well, it looks terrifying. Like as a kid, you're walking past this thing with broken glass just sticking out of the the top of the wall. Yeah. But yeah, he falls. Like, but he falls backwards. Yeah. Out of the convent rather than in. <laughs> he's okay he's, I think with a drink he probably wouldn't feel it yeah it was fine that was funny as well just like the drink driving obviously don't do that we yeah. don't support that but it was just funny like, I'll be fine I just like, it's like I'm not drunk driving I drank earlier yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, but then obviously they, they're back in the pub and they, they finally yeah, but... finish with the, the parting glass that theme song again good night yeah. enjoy be with you all and Frank says good night and then he just has the heart attack or yeah something just... happens and he just passes away it's right just there. so and like that but it's just so real though like because you can oh, see Pier- Pierce Brosnan just really sells us oh my god my thought and like he's just there and the getting and the priest comes in then and like he's just like if you can hear me just say the like, the last act of contrition yeah just, like, like the last everyone thing you in say. the pub is dead silent they're Jesus. all watching it. it's such a and I remember watching this when it first came out and like we were all like watching my mother and like my brother and sister and it was like they, we were all like really upset by yeah, that because it's just moment. such a gut and then they they had the funeral in Glasnevin Cemetery and like it's I like as well like it's it's done in Latin of course because it mm. would have like all the prison would have been done in Latin at the time and then you get the angel raise again it's like oh again it's like oh grand is still here yeah, the angel sweet, yeah and then Pierce Brosnan notices as well and it's just like oh <laughs> you know so you get the association that it all kind of ties up nicely it's, it's a really sad but very very sweet scene yeah oh. and then I suppose the next thing would be the uh, the barrister, whoever, kind of cancelling on him, saying that he's a well, the solicitor does. Solicitor, he doesn't. Sorry, yeah. he, he he doesn't know the American fella's a barrister yet because yeah. he doesn't know there is sweet talk in the dark. Yeah, the other. But uh, so the solicitor cancels on your man, and he runs out to like him going fishing. Yeah. And but I think <laughs> we can all have a collective wince at the barbed wire scene. Oh, that's... he's climbing over a fence. It's like no trespassers, and it's barbed wire, and you just hear like a little noise. 
and he's just like pulling his pants out of the barbed wire. He's like, oh god, he's like right between the legs as yeah. well. It's like it's awful looking at it. And he like runs through like he's chased by dogs because like and yeah, he, and he goes into the water and then he's like, oh, it's a client. And then Griswold gives a fantastic speech oh, he, yeah. like in the waters at these two guys and just goes off and like the American and him is like, this is my family. It's more important. And yeah, what would you do if it was your <laughs> family? Absolutely, and, and it's just great, it's wonderful. <laughs> Considering he's standing knee deep in. A river, or lake. It, and like his, his, his like clothes are ripped and everything. Yeah. It's just such a brilliant. Like Pierce Brosnan is a brilliant actor, and this is a fantastic one of his best scenes I can think of. He's done like this is a brilliant dramatic work. Um, I suppose at this point he finds out that the the other fella is the American is actually a, is qualified as a barrister. Yeah, basically. he meets him back at the flats. <clears throat> uh, just to kind of briefly talk about because I know Americans might get a bit confused by this. Um, in this country we have two types of lawyers: we have solicitors and barristers. Um, we kind of copy the British system of how that works. So in effect, he, he goes to Beatty, who is the solicitor first. And that's kind of how things work. If you, you always go to a solicitor and if it's like, if like, it sounds like you're buying a house or buying land or something, the solicitor will like, oh, I'll get the, the contracts drawn up. I'll work with a few people and do that. And if you're in like a minor criminal case, the solicitor will go into like a lower court with you if you were like done for drink driving. Yeah. Something like that. And the solicitor will go in with you and he'd be like, ah, oh, yeah, sorry, my client didn't do this and that. Da, 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 da. That's how it works. But he even says, oh, I can't bring you to the high court because I don't have right of uh, entry there. And that's the whole point. A barrister then deals with more complicated issues around criminal law. And they're specifically allowed to go up to like the higher courts, like the high court and supreme court um, in, in this film. So like you, you can't go directly to a barrister in this country. You have to go through a solicitor. But if it was like a very serious case, you'd have the barrister in and they have then you can see like he he wears like the fancier kind of robes and he has the, the kind of fancier necktie and like wears oh, yeah. the wig. Um, we don't lovely wig. the wigs are optional now but at the time it would have been correct to do that and also like addressing the judges as my lord that was a British thing we don't we don't we don't do that now you you, you would always say judge or if it was the president of the, the high court you'd say president or in Irish should be Brett never a hook the one I mean it must be cumbersome <coughs> having the fedora on top of the wig though <laughs> my lord it's um, <laughs> it's just the way it used to have been but uh, that's that's kind of it so now we get into the now my, so my girlfriend is a lawyer and I did ask her about some of these bits so this is the legal kind of bits start now so I'll kind of talk about how accurate some of them are so the first thing they do is um, they go to the minister for education who was would have been in charge of putting the, the children into this thing and, and they're like can I have my kids back yeah. here are my lawyers and he's like basically no I'm not going to change things Desmond has a great thing at the end. He's like, yeah, you're painting shite, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, because what is it? Like, the, the minister pretends to forget everyone's name. Yeah, really kind of insultingly. And, and then the American guy's like... Mister and his Mister, uh, and then he just fucks off. And he's like, brilliant, just like, fuck with him right back. Because he goes, oh, what are you, like a, a painter and decorator? He goes, I'm a, I'm a craftsman, master, master craftsman. craftsman yeah. And then he goes, by the way, minister, you're painting shite. <laughs> fucks out. So then they, they, they decide they're going to go up against the thing and... This is like where we get into the start of the legal thing. So what they do is they he goes into the, the convent and is like, can I have my daughter back, please? I'm requesting you to do that because I'm her parent. And they're like, no. And then he goes, right, goes, my solicitor is going to hand you a writ of habeas corpus and my barrister is going to, to witness this. And he's like, witnessed and duly delivered. So this is is the correct thing to do. Right. Uh, habeas corpus literally means produce the body in Latin. It's It's generally a thing of give me this person. So it, it's kind of used in several different contexts, but in, in this specific case, it would be the correct thing to do. He's basically saying, I've instructed you to 
give me back my daughter. You're saying no. So I'm asking my lawyer to give you a legal thing saying producer or else we're going to go to court to settle this. So that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's how, yeah, so yeah. that is actually correct. So then they, they, they go to the, the papers to kind of try and get this out a bit. And then they, they, go, they finally go to the high court after they meet the other, the former rugby player who's, yeah, um, yeah, the former rugby Connolly, player. who was like former rugby player. And they kind of bond over that. And he's like an, more of an expert in family law. Who's yeah, kind of their and, and advisor. One thing that I think in a future episode, we'll definitely have to, to do a nod to is the, they talk a lot about saints in that scene. They do. St. Yeah. Jude being the, the saint of, of uh, lost causes and policemen. All right. Well, <laughs> look, the Gardaí in this country are probably a lost cause. Just put yeah. it out there. That's oh, my hot Jesus. take on that. But it, like, it is a, a big thing in Ireland. Like, not so much now, but the the more religious older generations. If like, you if you lose something, pray to Saint Anthony because yeah, he's the saint like, of the lost. There things. are yeah. a number of saints who do various things, and you were instructed at times to pray to them, depending yeah. on what you were in need of. Yeah. So anyway, they've ended up going to the the high court. So this is the high court they're going to now. This is above the, the level of court they were previously at. And this is, as, as I'm reliably informed by our, our counsel <laughs> for, for the show, this is called a divisional sitting, as in there are three judges. Yeah. So basically, they're going there. They're basically saying they, they're suing the state to kind of say, can I have my children back? And the argument they're using is that under the, the act in question, it's like he's asking for his kids back because the mother has gone away and the state are arguing under the, the act, unless the mother has died, they require both of the parents' consent. Obviously, because she's unavailable, she's off in Australia. Yeah, and, and the grandmother won't tell where she is. But the grandmother doesn't. I think the grandmother doesn't know where she is. It's kind yeah, of it's, hard, it's kind it's of it's, it's, it's a bit hard to say. So hiding it or not, the, the, the three judges rule that. Um, with the way the act is written, like a plain reading of it is what they say, which is just they're they're kind of they're not interpreting it. They're just saying the way it's written is clear. And the three of them say, "Yeah, you you were saying the state is correct here. The minister was right in what he's doing. He's allowed to do what he's doing. So we're going to do that." They also do a thing where they say, "We're going to deny you the right of appeal because." Yeah, say, we're, we're not going to have this argument again. <laughs> yeah, now some people might be like, "Oh, we well, you, you mean you can't appeal it?" And it's like, "What?" There's no, I had to actually ask. <laughs> with my girlfriend about this part because I'm like but, but they do appeal it later it's like well they're allowed to say decline you to appeal but you're allowed to appeal their decision to decline you appeal yeah so what happened in real life was they they appealed that decision the way it's portrayed in the film from this point onwards is not legally accurate in a, in a certain sense yeah, I mean you have to yeah. expect a certain level of uh, movie magic yeah, when so you're talking about year-long court cases. Yeah, so I mean, there there is like bits of it where, um, sorry, I'm just trying to get this. Cough, yeah, cough, cough. <laughs> yeah, so basically, yeah, they can depending on the type of case, you have asked the high court for permission to appeal. If they say no, you can appeal the refusal. Is is the direct wording? Yeah. Um, the next bit is then the they meet the. Connolly, the other barrister who's like gone back into coaching rugby now after his career was no, ended. Actually, you're nope. forgetting the bookie. Oh, the bookie turns up with some money. Just like a real like turn in the film because obviously you've just had like a really low point where they've lost the case. They're back and in they, the pub drinking. Yeah, they're back in the pub, and then the bookie comes along and he's like, "People were backing you. Here's six hundred pounds. I've made a lot yeah. of money. Here's six hundred pounds, which I assume must be a fortune." Quite a, I didn't do the direct thing, but that'd be a couple of grand anyway. Yeah, and uh, so he also gives them the nod 
to use that 600 to bet on a specific dog, on a dog which in he, the Greyhound races. Which we see that he kind of... Yeah, he he draws rigs, the other he, dogs. He kind of rigs the... Yeah, which is illegal, by the way. No, nah, no, nah, it's fine in this situation. It's like, it, it's the right kind of illegality, Stu. Yeah, <laughs> the kind that helps. I mean, like, if, if he put the whole 600 pounds down on that, he must be very wealthy man by the end of that movie. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I'm sure he could. Yeah, um, but, like, it's weird then because, like, they win the... the Greyhound race, and like at that very moment, an Irish Times reporter is there, and he's like, "You've just made Person of the Year on Irish Times," and they take a photo. It's like, why would they be there in the Greyhound track to, to yeah. tell him this? I'm pretty sure this didn't happen. Like, there's some bits with the meet, like where the other judge kind of says, "I'll go to my friend. I know he's a sports commentator." Yeah. So, firstly, there's a bit where Desmond interviewed in television, as we discussed in our last episode. We didn't have television in this country at this point until 1962, so that didn't happen. There's no way in hell that they would inter- like they would interview someone in a, a live court case against the government like this when it's a state-funded broadcaster. Would not happen. Yeah, in the least part. Weird, but... Yeah, like I can understand the thing being in the newspaper, but on the radio and stuff like that, particularly like live broadcasting a Supreme Court decision like that, I don't think that happened at the time. Um, I can't find a clear record of it. I'm not saying it necessarily didn't, but I don't think it would have happened on like a live broadcast. Yeah, once again, it's artistic yeah. license. I mean, there, like, there you, is. Have, you have your man. I think it was the same guy from the the television show wandering around with basically a massive broadcast backpack. Yeah, I don't, so that he can I don't know if that happened. I don't know if that really happened at the time, if you could do that. I'm I don't really, know either. I'm really not sure, to be honest. It's like the first live streamer in history is yeah. wandering around. I mean, I used to work in, well, did some radio in college, but I, I don't think we had a setup that would work in quite a way. <laughs> Um, it'd be great if you could. It'd be great if you could. So then they, they go to like the Connolly and he's like, when he's he's, oh, he's playing rugby and he's kind of got his passion back along yeah. with the, now he certainly is fond of a few drinks as he's always oh, sipping yeah. on a sip flask in this. So um, he's just like, oh, I've been reading the constitution. Let's go to the Supreme Court on this. And I challenge the actual saying the act that the minister used is unconstitutional. So this is kind of where the, the legal issues kind of come up. So I, I won't bore by going into too much detail, but basically the entire Supreme Court bit is completely uh, legally inaccurate. Right. In, in 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 real life, they did go to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court did strike down this as unconstitutional. It was a very important case, but not in the way it happened in this film. So first and foremost, uh, you can't go directly to the Supreme Court on an issue like this. Um, there's only two cases. There's only two things where you can go directly to the Supreme Court for one of if determining if the president is incapacitated. The other is if the president personally refers a bill to the Supreme Court to check if it's constitutional before he signs it into law. You can't go directly to the Supreme Court to say if something's unconstitutional. Um, you'd basically have to go to the High Court to do that. Um, True. So I, I, in, in the reality of the case, from what we were able to put together, he appealed the decision to not be able to appeal the original case on the grounds that it was unconstitutional, and that's how they got to the Supreme Court. Yeah, I can understand for artistic license that they kind of broke a, it down. A, a um, quicker. Just yep. one thing about the, uh, the, the rugby scene is that uh, the Yank actually says that rugby is Neanderthal's version of, of American football. Well, it's and one of like, where you don't get severely injured. It's like, <laughs> well, I mean, we'll disagree on that one. I know we have a lot of American listeners, and yeah. I'm sure a lot of people out there do enjoy American football, but watch a few games of rugby and you see it's quicker paced, much better fun. <laughs> like, it, it, it isn't like, oh, well, he's after stopping moving forward. We better take a very quick commercial break while they set up again. <laughs> <laughs> or just replay the exact same thing yeah. that happened ten times. Exactly. Uh, I, I, which I think is quite funny. But so the other thing, just to briefly kind of talk about, we'll talk about how 
moving some of the bits in the Supreme Court are where there's cross-examination. But broadly speaking, that's completely inaccurate. Um, you cannot, you would not like cross-examine witnesses in the Supreme Court. Like literally, my girlfriend said, it's a court of law, not a court of fact. So you would, the Supreme Court would only be there to rule on is this law constitutional or not. Yeah, I think you could probably say what they've done is they they've mashed together. The appeal and this maybe into yeah, one yeah it's effect of... it's 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 very much more of a, a U.S. kind of Supreme Court or not even that it's just kind of a thing where like cross examinations and stuff like this wouldn't have this would probably have been some of what maybe happened in the High Court mixed with some of what happened in the Supreme yeah, Court but just, to, just yeah yeah so I, I I don't like I think I think up. for dramatic effect it's oh, yeah. fine it's just well, it's very dramatic it's just we'll, we'll t- but just to kind of get it out of the way then this is the Supreme Court do not do this it would basically be. You'd have the barrister for like the state, like a, and a, some other junior counsels there. Desmond Doyle's barrister and solicitors, he'd probably be there. It's also very unlikely there'd be that many people in the Supreme Court. Um, this is, this isn't the Supreme Court building. This is actually the the King's Inn where barristers train in this country. Oh, right. But it's actually a much nicer building inside where they've. I think they actually made the right decision to shoot it there. It looks oh, it's very yeah, ornate yeah, as well. It looked great anyway. We had sausage rolls outside of it once too. If you if you if you remember. Probably. Yeah, a long, time ago. a long time ago. So just to say, like, not to take away from how dramatic this scene is and how great the acting is here, but just to be clear, this is massively inaccurate. Yeah. But, but we'll talk about but, how good it is now. I mean, it was so tense the whole way through that. Yeah. I mean, you know, they're examining everyone, and then when they get Evelyn up there... No, the first it's uh, Desmond, and, like, they're throwing the, the, the strangling the nun in his face. And obviously yeah. I was like, look, like this didn't happen. That should be the first thing he said yeah. is that I did not strangle her. Yeah. Uh, he just held her head, which is kind of weird, but I suppose yeah. in that situation. I did not. I did not <laughs> hit her. Oh, hi, Judge. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, there we go now. There's our room reference for the day. So it, it's hard to watch at times because you have the, the bastardy defense who are just kind of... Well, they, they're actually the... I don't know. I'm sorry, sorry. Was. They are the defense. My apologies. They're... Yeah. <laughs> One or the other. I, I'm not a lawyer. It's the, worth the, saying The people here. who are against... Sorry, it, it's the, the government, basically. Yes. The, 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 yeah, the, I, I assume that guy is supposed to be like the attorney general or something. Like yeah, that. whatever. I don't he's, know. He, yeah. Like he's just putting words into everyone's mouth. And you can see that he's just a bit of a dick. Yeah. And he's even like when they get the minister for education up, and then uh, Desmond, like uh, the American, is you know cross examining him, and he's like, you know, you read just the Constitution out, and they're kind of getting to the point where, uh, the you know, we're saying that isn't it right that he has a right to his family under this article of the Constitution, and so yeah. then the act can't be, and then the minister kind of goes. It could be taken that way, and I'm like pretty sure that's also you can't say that in court. Yeah, you have to be yes or no. Well, no, because you can't say that. Cause it, yes, well, the judge is there to determine that. Yes, they know you can't give a answer like that. Any, I just thought that was weird. But anyway, but um, the minister just comes off as very kind of slimy, just kind of saying oh, yeah. whatever he wants to get his way, as but, they do in at, current day. So nothing's changed, as politicians do. <laughs> um, so that was kind of nice. But I, I think as well, where you finally get the nun on the stand. Yeah, and it's you like just a raging bitch. Oh, she's Sister Bridget, I think she's the head nun, and she's just such a bitch. Yeah, um, just the worst. And they finally like, can see like where she like hit the child, and like their Evelyn's nana is like stands up says, "I'm so sorry. I went. I, I Desmond treated them better than you. I'm sorry. He's like, wait till I get you outside." Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's <laughs> it's nice that at least the the grandmother got. A bit of a redemption. redemption arc, yeah. But like having Evelyn then on the stand, and it's 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 so Ooh. hard to watch. Just it the, is like these adults 
forcing her to lie or pushing like you know this isn't how it happened this is how it happened you didn't get hit and then it's like i'm all mixed up and it's like i'm first yeah because they're they're, they're wording it so awfully that it's hard to to tell double negatives i'm pretty sure that's badgering the witness like i'm pretty sure at that point the judge would step in and say it's a child hang on a second you do not speak to her like that in my courtroom like the judge is is quite sweet to to her like she wants to read out her prayer from the night before like they're objecting and he's like no no i want i want to hear this just he's just like You've been a prick to her. I, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna indulge her. And of course, the angel rays come in that's again. Such so a that, sweet that's such a That's kind of that's the rallying point where she kind of gets her confidence back. I, I love how I love how it's just like, and she goes, "Oh, my granddad is here." The angel rays, and then the judge goes, "Well, she's clearly like uh, delusional." Basically, she has like imaginary friends. Yeah. Like, and do the judge just like look, just gives him a look, just like do not say that again. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I always kind of got the impression I watched is that. Because you know, they're older men, they're obviously very, you know, very educated. They're all speaking lovely British accents. But I kind of got the impression that maybe the middle judge, I also that he's a grandfather too. Yeah, and you kind of see. I kind of, I kind of think that I always got the impression. Maybe I was reading too much into it that he kind of related to her in that sense. Like I've got my granddaughter, and it's yeah. like I kind of see you, so I'm going to, I'm going to give you a chance to say the the truth. Yeah, I so suppose I think that's just one thing that I should ask is I know the the main judge from the high court is bumped to the Supreme Court for this. Is that something that would actually happen? Um, yeah, you see, the, the president of the High Court uh, does sit on the Supreme Court ex officio. So basically... As All right, so he was the president and he got... Presumably so. It, it, it's not quite addressed. It's, but also, I, I, it wouldn't be correct to do that. If you if you dealt with... Um, yeah, presided over... I actually didn't case. notice this. Now, I, I, I got to say, I did kind I did think it was the same guy. I just thought they all... It was, yeah. No, they, like, they actually pointed out oh, that he was moved up to the Supreme Court for this... Okay, so basically, I'm pretty... Now, I'd have to clear this from my girlfriend, who's the actual lawyer. I'm pretty sure you can't do that. You couldn't handle an appeal from a case that you dealt with at a lower yeah. level. That's a massive conflict of interest. So that's that's a... No, that's that's completely ridiculous. Right, yeah, it was just it was weird, and I wasn't sure. So No, no, in, in the sense that if he was... The president of the high, of the high court does sit on the Supreme Court as by ex officios, like as because they're the president, they they sit on the Supreme Court as does the president of the Court of Appeal now as well. Um, but I presume in in this context, it was like he was sitting on the High Court as just an ordinary judge, and then got like bumped up to the Supreme Court because there was a vacancy. I presume, but. Uh, yeah, I think it was a little more sinister in what they were doing, but yeah, that's a, yeah, but that would be completely improper. You you can't handle an appeal of a case you dealt with at a lower level. That's a big, big no no. And I know enough about the law to be like, you can't do that. But yeah. in the end, everything works. I, and I, yeah. I I do really like the scene where the the judge, the first judge is just like he's the one from the high court. He's just like, yeah, no, I I I vote for the you know, rule rule in favor of the minister of education. He was right in doing. And he gets the other judge. And he's like, they're going to be a however here. However, <gasps> yeah, it's just such like, a great scene. <laughs> and, then, and then when they get the the middle judge, and it's like he does about four howevers, and it's like, oh my god, it's so tense. No, no, it, that, that was I remember watching it when I was younger, and it's like every and like everyone's like tensing up, and he goes, "There has to be another however." And like the 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 other uh, Connolly, the other judge is the rope there. He's up there drinking, just going, "There better be another however here." Yeah, he, and then he has the, the after like the second however, he's just like, "I was like, oh no," it's like. However, he's like, <laughs> yeah, he's, so, so we're back in the game. It's really, really good. This is, a, I actually really like this scene. Yeah, it's, it's really well done. It's very well shot. And just by the end of it, you're so happy. And then when he gets his kids back at the end, and like, yeah, he's they're, all, them, they're it's all really hearing, sweet. Like, you know, because they hear, they're listening over the radio. And so all the kids yeah. in, in the Kristen Brothers and in the convent are celebrating 
what I like is you, you have the, the, the kind of good nun is just there like telling all the girls better pray harder now because yeah, obviously yeah. I figured the other nun was there she'd burst and like beat the shite out of them like yeah. everything but they're all celebrating then and it, it, it's a lovely it does end to well it. Um, I, I feel remiss if I didn't bring this up sorry to kind of bring it down oh, a little God. bit but it, <laughs> This there's a page at the end credits saying like oh Desmond Doyle case had a big impact and it made you know difference to this now this still went on for about another, at least another 30, 35 years this kind of institutionalized abuse thing and some survivors did attack this film with the way it was presented at the end so I I just felt at the very least it's worth mentioning that there, there was a piece in the Guardian I read in two thousand and three that was up by Henry Macdonald uh, called abuse survivors attack Brosden film and there's a couple of things in it saying that it they didn't get released in the way that this film portrayed as so I think it is at the very least worth saying that this while this yeah, is based I mean, on a true yeah, story but- and there was a big impact it didn't it didn't like there wasn't like a, a switch flicked and this all stopped I, yeah, I think I it's think worth saying that, that's probably something you should take away from any movie that says yeah. based on a true story is that could be like one page of the script is based on a true yeah. story it could be the entire thing it could be a, a mix the whole way through there, there so is if if you're interested in something like yeah. that, definitely go and read the actual sources. Yeah, just rather to than believing what the movie does. Because... Just to kind of to kind of mention as well that we kind of talked a little bit about how there were six kids and how yeah. she actually ran off with his cousin and stuff. There's another little bit that happened in real life that I would just like to mention that didn't happen in the story. Basically, after the kids were taken away from him the first time, he actually went to the authorities because he was like, "Oh, I," because he felt it was the right thing to do. Because yeah. I mean, I suppose it's like, "Oh, I don't have a." a uh, a wife I, my mother has passed away their kids or their grandmother doesn't can't look after them so he but that was the fine thing he actually went to England then to to get work so he could right. save up the money and then you know get the money back and bring them over to him in England that was what happened it was he then moved back to Ireland with his housekeeper Oh, which and I, I mean every source I've read about this has housekeeper in inverted commas so oh, I'm just better. yeah and apparently that was from what I've read in some places, one of the main objections at the time, it was like that this housekeeper circumstance, don't your wife having run off with someone, was kind of, you know, raising a few issues. So, not to say that Desmond Doyle, I, I fully believe he really cared, loved his kids in real life. Yeah, and there were six of them, I don't want to take away from it, but he did. Back, so. And it, and it, it was a, a great thing. And I think Pierce Brosnan himself really pushed to get this film made. And I think he's, he's said, uh, you know a man's love for his children is a very powerful thing and it, it doesn't matter what the odds are and I think he I think it's because he cared so much about it to get this film made when he was like at the top of his fame as James Bond oh, yeah. he could have done any project he wanted to he, want, he did this and his performance in this film and just the desperation he puts across at times the anger the passion about getting his kids back does a fantastic job Stu this was a crack of gold for me oh definitely same crack of gold great movie uh, might have watched it again at some point a couple of years down the line if I ever want to feel angry and sad <laughs> yeah. and happy <laughs> it's I, I gotta say like, cause I, I remember suggesting this film to you like very early on when we, we started doing this podcast and I, and I kind of said it's like, oh I remember watching this when I was younger I think it'd be perfect for it even though it's set in Ireland there's still like other bits yeah I, of course like, I, think, of I think I'm glad we did because I really really enjoyed re-watching this and I definitely would watch it again a couple of times it's a very enjoyable film um even if you don't like care about all the the legal stuff and everything else, it's yeah. not too it's not too much in this film. It's all explained very well, and it's just a good kind of drama. You know, yeah. it's it's a good yeah, film. Yeah. I think if you if you want a bit of a cry and a bit of a laugh at times and a kind of a, a feel good moment at the end, watch this film. Yeah, it definitely has all of that and so much more. It's <laughs> something else as you're watching it away. So that'll be it for us this week. Yep. Uh, 
next week we will be doing Michael Collins, the 1996 <laughs> movie with what's his face, Liam Neeson, Liam Neeson, um, and many more. Um, Watts himself is in that as well. Aidan Quinn is also in that. Oh, he is. He is in that. Alan Rickman. Yes. Hello, Harry Potter. <laughs> Michael Collins. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's going to be all we do next week is Alan Rickman impressions. I mean, I think I think we talk. I mean, I don't think this film has a happy ending, Stu, does it? We'll have to find out. Depending on, it, depending on your viewpoint. I, I don't think it's based on a true story, so we can't find out until next week. Well, it is based on true stories, too, but I can tell you one thing. This, if, if you think I talked too much about historic inaccuracies in this episode, wait till next week. Spoilers, My good spoilers. God. All right, so play us out there. Uh, thanks very much, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I think this is one of the favourites we've definitely done. Yeah, it's been it's really enjoyable. Um, so please tell a friend about this. It re- really does make a difference when you do that. Um, ask people to you know review the show and everything else. Send us in your own opinions. Um, if you want to say, oh, what you thought about this film or any of the other films we did, or even as general feedback about how the podcast any, works yeah, or anything. Any suggestions for other stuff we can do, other movies. Like other we'll, we're happy to do, like, you know, we do TV shows as well. We haven't done too many TV shows barring kind of Father Ted, so we're definitely thinking about doing that more in the future. Oh, yeah. we, we have plans for moving to a video game kind of thing as well. I'm, I'm putting yeah, together hopefully. a big list of Irish video game things. There's not a lot. There's not a lot. It, it's quite thin. But uh, so tell us, you can contact us um, on Twitter at BlarneyPod and of course at email talkingblarneypod at gmail.com. Uh, do give us a shout and uh, we're very happy to read all feedback. And thank you so much, guys, for, for listening to us. We've seen uh, listens go up a bit. Yeah, I think yeah, it's a fair bit, somewhere. so we're we're very happy with this. Uh, thanks for enjoying and listening, guys. Uh, it's goodbye from me. See you next week.